like what is the new normal and will quarantine create a series of events that are irreversible, for example, that um, good or bad. Welcome to Unprovoked Tangents, the podcast. Where our topics have a focus, but, but our, our tangents, tangents don't. don't. Tune in weekly as we discuss life, love, fashion, politics, and so much more. Jen, I can't believe how brave you were to post that photo, by the way. That was crazy. <laughs> well, you know what? I feel like it is my job as well as your job. It's our job to bring the truth to the listeners. And I have to say, I loved day one quarantine. You know, I was all about hashtag me all day, hashtag self-care, all the hashtags. And then it got to day 20. I was like, mm, when was the last time I combed my hair? I don't know. What day is it? I don't know. I feel like we're in like this weird dream slash nightmare. It's weird. And we don't know when it's going to end. You know, what's crazy is like, even your complexion looked different. It's like, we're not getting sun, you know, like everything. It was just like, we're not getting sun. You know, we're, we're not like Donald Trump. We can go to like our own personal tanning bed. But um, no. yeah, it's crazy. I, I'm sure I'm pale as fuck right now. Um, it's yeah. I mean, but you know what though? I think this is like the perfect time to, uh, number one, you can't get catfished around this time. You know, no one could catfish you. All the catfishers out there, if any of our listeners are catfished or catfishing, you can't do it anymore in the era of where we're at in coronavirus and quarantine. You just can't, you know what I mean? And on top of that, I think it's fair game for everyone because I have to say, I have very good looking friends of mine and it's interesting to see that now we're all on the same playing field as far as the look category goes, yeah. you know, cause that's the thing. Like I'll say for me, I'm like, all right, I'm a solid six, but I have friends that are like a nine or a 10. Yeah. But in the era of coronavirus and quarantine, I'm like, you and I are at the same level, boo-boo. And, it, and it's refreshing. <laughs> but you know what, though? I kind of feel like we need to return back to simpler times. You know, maybe that's what will happen after all of this is over. We'll, like, retract back to what, like, the 90s were. Maybe everyone will get a rotary phone and, like, kind of communicate that way. Who knows where we're, where we're going to land after this? Well, I mean, there's the people who, it's almost like the anti-vaxxers. Now there's the anti-tech people. So there's the big movement right now about how 5G is causing coronavirus. Have you seen this? I have. I have. And they and like, I've heard so many different like conspiracy theories, like it's related to China and it's because China hates the US and that's, our, that's their way. And then even the device in which we're bringing this episode to our listeners on Zoom apparently is a hacker's playground. Apparently, there was the thing that delete TikTok from your um from your because TikTok apparently is now owned by China or something. It's so crazy. That, I know that the, the xenophobia behind the whole China syndrome, right? People who like um like are getting deliveries, right? Stuff that's made in China right. that they're ordering on Amazon. And I had to call out one of my my relatives online on Facebook because she posted something about getting a delivery from Amazon. And it was mm -hmm. made, all the stuff was like made in China. And she was legitimately asking the audience, is there any recommendations on how she can, or what she can use to like sterilize or clean the stuff that's coming in? And people were putting comments like, put it on the oven, mm -hmm. like all this crazy shit. And I had to call her out. What? Like, it's made in China. The, the stuff isn't coming over here by air and sea with coronavirus on it. I said, right. and, and on top of it, that's very racist for you to say that. I'm like, what is, like, how can you even, all of a sudden, now you're like worried about everything that comes from China. I'm like, that's abs absurd. Like, it's not like coronavirus is only on China and now it's everywhere, right? So are Correct. you doing this for stuff that's coming from Mexico or the Netherlands or Germany or Italy? No. So it was I think it's like too racial undertones. And I was so like, I, I had to call her out. It was, you know. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm like, I've seen some things and I've seen some folks that are very, I guess you can say like the other wave of thought that I have. And they're like, yeah, this is because I'm They're They're even renaming this coronavirus to be like the Chinese virus. And I'm like, that's not even, first of all, that's number one, inappropriate. Number two, highly, highly inaccurate. And on top of that, like we are now 
as the country, the number one case cases are in our country yep. that supersede China, that supersede Italy, that supersede anywhere else in the world. And I don't see people saying, oh, malaria, the African disease. I don't see people even saying that, right? But I think when it hits U.S. soil, people get into their mind of paranoia and they immediately have to point fingers. Some people, I'm not saying that's all, but I've seen people like, oh, it's from this this point of origin so it has to be them and it's like no yeah not at all not you know, at all it's, it's like that's that was trump's biggest thing when it in the, like a month ago he was calling it like the china virus or the china flu or whatever and, and people were like that's racist like you what are you doing as the, and number one as the president you shouldn't be saying that but he was like what it was called the spanish flu and what we call it chinese food like that's where it comes from so that's why i'm naming it i'm like no that's not what you're doing. You're, you know what you're doing. We're a country that is the most- We're the most diverse country in the entire world. Yeah. And, but like, it's a country that at the quickest moment, at the quickest like instance of guttural reaction, we turn super xenophobic and racist. At the, at the drop of a hat, it's like, let's ostracize someone, some group. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that's what we do in this country. We look for those moments to alienate and ostracize somebody else. Yeah. And I think, you know, and to your point, I've seen, I've seen both sides. I've seen in moments of crisis, in moments of despair, in moments of uncertainty, in moments where things are really shaken up, you really get to see the character of people when, when things go astray for them, either it's on a personal level or just on a global level or a national level. And I've seen one side where it's like, wow, do you have compassion? Do you have kindness? Like what happened to all of those characteristic attributes that a person should have? Those kind of get lost. But then I, on the flip side, I've seen people really step up and say, you know what, we're in this together. And I even love the hashtag like in this together that's been trending on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter that are showing like these acts of kindness, just saying, hey, I'm looking out for my, I'm my brother's keeper or I'm my sister's keeper. So it's kind of like, I see both. I see where people are being very divisive, but I also see on the other side, people are like, you know what? We're all in this together. We're joining in as a community. If it affects one, it affects all of us. But I would say, during a time of crisis and uncertainty, you really can tell the, a person's true character and where they stand. That's when a person's true character is tested. Now, when everything's going great, it's when things are going really bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually, that's a philosophy that I apply to most things in life. Yeah. In relationships, you know, I feel like a true test of a relationship is through the hard parts, not when you're on vacation in Aruba together and sipping matais, you know, like... Mm -hmm. I think when you're in the, the rut of somebody lost their job or you're living together and you're struggling, like those are the true tests of character. I think that applies for so many different things. I think that applies for people, police officers. I think that their day-to-day -day job when they're going and being the community person, coming door to door, helping their fellow citizens, being um, a hero in some aspects, those are the easy times. But it's the times when they're faced with that situation that they roll up on an uncertain situation with their guns drawn and shooting an unarmed black man, right? So I think that right. these are the moments in life that we always wrestle with as humans, right? It's the times that we can get over challenging moments in our, in our lives in order to manage ourselves out of those challenging lives, which kind of brings us to what we wanted to talk about today, right? Like we're in a challenging moment, you and I and the world. Mm -hmm. We're navigating this new normal because it is a new normal, right? Because we've been in this I want to say for now, what, month and a half, maybe two, maybe longer. Um, and it's definitely has shaken up the way that we're doing things. And again, it becomes like this fight or flight mode. Like pe some people can't really cope well with it. People are super stressed out. Tensions are high. I know for a fact, like some of my friends that have family members that are living with them, tensions are running high, <laughs> you know, they're having tiffs and they're having arguments and it literally could start out of nowhere. It'd be like, who used my toothbrush? You know what I mean? You're like, what yeah. toothbrush am I talking about? Yeah. There's a lot of tension in the household because we really are not, some people are, but most people are not really equipped to deal with stress and how to handle it. My yoga practice is a great tool for me to, to turn to when I'm stressed out mm -hmm. and to turn to when I need to just be very centered. 
and, and keep my, my point of focus. But a lot of people, it becomes it's fight or flight mode. It's like as soon as stress hits the body, it becomes either I got to peace or I got to like fight my way through it. And sometimes through that fighting, you're going to fight with your loved ones while you're, while you're in the house. Let's take that to even another level, right? So typically on a normal day-to-day -day life that we're living our lives, right? Everybody right. deals with stress. But yeah. the difference now is you're, we're in relationships with ourselves. Even if you have a person who lives with you, like I live with my son, right? There's like an underlying tension because of being locked together with somebody that people don't realize. So what ends up happening to your point, you have yoga, right? but you have yoga because you've been able to adapt your yoga to coronavirus quarantine. The difference is I think that most people, normal day-to-day -day stress have outlets to alleviate that stress, whether it's going to the gym, taking mm -hmm. a run, going to the park and shooting hoops, going to the bar, hanging out, dancing, music. Like there are things that I know that I do to, to unwind. And it could be something as simply going to grab a beer with a friend or go on a date. And when you take us and you lock us into a room and you take away the opportunity for us to even have these moments of being able to vent or release right. or work out or run, or then it's like compounded. It's like, now I don't have a way out. And most people don't mm -hmm. know how to adapt like you've been able to adapt and have your yoga still. Or most people uh, sometimes love going to church. Like it's Easter. As much as we joke as those times where we don't want to go to, church or temple or synagogue, it's still times that we're sharing with others. It's, it's camaraderie and we've taken those moments away from Yeah, them. it's, it's for joining in community. Well, it was funny because we were having this like whole discussion, my friends and I, and I said, you know, what were the bars and the gyms and all the things that we used to do socially a respite for us and a respite for our stress? Or was it really a cover-up for us not to deal what's really going on? 100%. And, and I think the latter, because I think a lot of things are starting to come up to the surface. Like, it's like that 40 in mindset, right? You have the beautiful iceberg, and you only see 10% of the iceberg, and the rest of the 90% is below the surface. Yep. And I think when people are forced to look at themselves, have to, you know, kind of cope, have to deal with also not having control, because I think that's also a big part of why people are stressed is because we don't have control over the situation. We don't have a set date of when it's going to end. Like we kind of have to just surrender and just wait. And that's a very hard concept for people to adopt. Even when I was teaching this morning, I said, this time is going to be the time to really pray up, to meditate, to ask yourself the serious questions, to go in, be introspective, because maybe your whole entire life, you were pushing all of that stuff down. And you're like, I'll get to it later. I'll get to, you know, all these other issues later. I don't have time for this. I'd rather just have instant gratification and go out to the bar and just have a drink and, you know, not worry about that piece of it. But I think there's a lot of things that are starting to bubble up to the surface. Compound that with coronavirus is going to create, you know, some stress and maybe even some extra tensions that could lead to an explosion. You, you actually touch on two amazing points. The first one I want to say is you mentioned about having an end in sight, right? That's an essential part of humanity, right? We, we need to be able to, whether we can control our lives or not, we need to have a vision of where our lives are going. What coronavirus and quarantine has done is it stripped us from those moments of understanding where we sit in this world as far as what the next steps are, right? That's part one. The easiest metaphor mm -hmm. comparison I have to that is the prison system, right? Within the prison system, what ends up happening is if somebody ends up going after sentencing, they get sentenced to a certain time that they're in jail, there, there's, it's been proven that their mental state is a, is a lot more uh, manageable than the people who are sitting on Rikers Island waiting for their court date um, and indefinitely not getting out on bail because they're there with an, with an indeterminate amount of days waiting for their trial to come. So what ends up happening is those people end up... Um, having much more impact on their mental health than the people who actually have already been um, convicted and are sitting with a sentence. So what we're doing is we're sitting in our houses, in our apartments with an indeterminate end date. We don't have control. So it's a brilliant point you made. And I think too, um, and you know me, cause we just, we always got to bring the funny, you know, you mentioned lockdown and there's been this, interesting uh, set of articles that are done by uh, Refinery29 
that is called Love Lockdown. And it's basically stories about couples being together during this time of quarantine, right? And even one of my favorite couples that I follow on Instagram from Love is Blind, Cameron and Lauren, love them so much. Listeners, again, if you need something to binge watch, watch Love is Blind. I think it's like the number one show next to Tiger King. Watch that too. You have the time, do it. I will not steer you guys incorrectly. But I remember, you know, they, they have this whole journal that's like day one, we made dinner together and we, we turned our kitchen into a restaurant and I printed out menus and we got dressed up and everything was great. And we had, you know, you know, quarantinis and, you know, bliss, you know? couple days you're bliss because you're not spending that much time with your significant other, right? You, you have eight hours at work. You have other things that are happening. You hit day 10. Yeah, but this is also like those TV shows like Survivor, right? Because in the beginning, right. everyone's like, yay, we're on a TV show. Let's go. I can eat this stuff. Hit like day 10. They're like, I'm tired of eating like like ants and um and, and leave and bark and then it shit hits the fan like you're like oh shit this is for real it's not ending anytime soon i'm going to die <laughs> right <laughs> whether with you or without yeah. you you know what i mean and it's, it's just one of those things and you know i admire the couples out there that are in like making it work i follow my friends on instagram that from my perspective they're looking like they're handling quarantine quite well um, and I much shout outs to them, but at the same time, I mean, if you are in a house with anybody, it doesn't have to be your boyfriend. It could be your husband, it could be your kids. It could be your 86 year old grandma and you're 24 years old. Tensions are bound to rise after a certain period of time, you know, and those little like idiosyncrasies that you thought, oh my God, like he totally loves to like hike his like pant leg after he eats steak. Loser. Becomes the most annoying thing that you have ever seen on day 10. It goes back to your earlier point about when you said um, it, it's, it's how humanity and people, I think in general deal with problems, right? On typical, yeah. and what it mean is the procrastination point you made earlier. So you were like, oh, I'll take care of that later. I'll go get a drink at the bar. I had an argument with wifey at home on my way to work this morning. So instead of going straight home, I'll go to the bar, I'll go to the gym, I'll go play basketball, I'll stop at my boy's house, I'll stop at my side piece's house. You know, there's, mm. there were so many outlets, but now it's like you have an argument with wifey in the morning. Hey, guess what? She's there in the afternoon. An hour later, she's there. You can't procrastinate. And that's what we're challenging. So to your point, your friends who are doing okay is because they might've came in before day one of quarantine in a good place. That's true. So it's much harder for them to get riled up. The people who came in, like they were already rocky before day one of being locked down together. And now they're locked down together. I feel bad for those people because those people are now locked with an enemy. The bomb's about to burst. And I think it's funny too, because I was just even talking to a friend of mine and she's a little bit older. And I, you know, I always try to have like a positive outlook on life. Like, oh, maybe there's going to be so many babies being born 10 months from now and da, da, da. I'm like, maybe couples will get stronger. And then her immediate response was like, or there could be a lot of divorces, <laughs> I mean, which, which, which could happen, right? I think, again, during trying times, yeah. this is going to test you. And it's going to be like, your, to your point, Survivor, are you going to tap out in the middle of the show? Or are you going to make it to the end? Yeah. And I think these are bringing up a lot of those tough questions, not only for ourselves, but for our for couples, even any relationship, whether you have it with yourself or with a loved one. Like, what do I need to work on? And what do we need to work through? And is it even worth it to work on even after this point? Look, we're not reinventing the wheel, so to speak. And what I mean is we've been through tough times and not just meaning me and you, but I mean, people. So I'll give you an example. Um, like the whole thing you mentioned about the people, I, I joked about that too, that people are, it's going to be the baby boom generation for us, right? Of everybody locked in together because the baby boom generation were the people coming home from World War II, right? So they came mm -hmm. home, they were like happy to see their spouse and they were like, bam, and then the baby boom happened, right? But what doesn't get talked about during that is that also sparked the catalyst for divorce rate as well. So the people who came home from war, World War II, yes, there was a large majority of people who ended up great times with their spouses and created babies, right? But they were, right. then it started the conversation, like these women who were at work, they came home, uh, they weren't appreciated from their husband prior, and now they, were, they took up the, the factory jobs while their husband was at war. 
and there was the, the increase in the divorce rate into the 50s and 60s, right? So I feel the same thing is happening now. We're in a state of uncertainty. And so some people deal mm -hmm. with it well, and they will have their baby boom generation. And there are people- The quarantines? Have you seen I've this? I've seen the quarantines. I love it. I, hashtag quarantines. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I look, I think the Corona baby thing is going to happen. We'll see. I think so too. And you know what? I also, I think also what we're not, um, haven't really touched upon, but I would love to just hear your, your take on it is another addition to a stressful household is let's say you have a spouse that has a good salary job and you are not on salary. And unfortunately you don't have the benefits or all of the, the things that you need to survive. I read this morning that 17 million U.S. Americans applied for unemployment, which is the highest in our country's history. That's crazy. But also it goes to remind you that, you know, as a part-time, full-time worker, are we giving the necessary benefits that we need to give to Americans? I don't necessarily know. You know, these stimulus checks that are supposed to be coming, which by the way, I just read this the other day. So the U.K., in their stimulus package, gets 80% of worker salary. Denmark gets 75% of worker salary. South Korea, 70%. Netherlands, 90%. I mean, I always loved Amsterdam. Love it also because it's the, you know, the capital of the Huid. Might move there. Who knows? Uh, Canada, 2K a month, $2,000 a month. And Australia gets $1,000 a month. And we get a one-time fee the one-time fee of $1,200. That will probably come three months from now. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Not only that, that you mentioned that entire list, but Canada, for example, I don't know if you saw the, the article, there was this woman who, who said, not only do they get uh, the $2,000 a month, but her, her husband, she was doing this, she was talking about her situation specifically. She said her husband went online, it took them, them not even uh, 20 minutes to complete the application process, right? He got paid two mm -hmm. days later, okay? So, so I heard that. Yeah, in the United yeah. States, that $1,200 isn't coming anytime soon, if it even will come. They're saying maybe by August, September. So give me a break. I mean, like, that's absurd. So it goes to your point. Like, imagine being in a relationship, right, where you have two people who bring home a paycheck, mm -hmm. and then one person all of a sudden no longer contributes to the household. So that's adding more stress onto a relationship that one person now has to pick up the slack. And when I say relationships, it doesn't have to be a, a dating relationship. You could have roommates. You know, you could have situations right. where you live with family members and you each contribute to pay for the bills in the house. And now all of a sudden, it's gone. And you're, you're now the breadwinner for that entire building. And the US government says, oh, well, survival of the fittest. And then you have a president who says, uh, I think we should get back to work as soon as possible. But meanwhile, you have yeah. a mayor like de Blasio who's like, yes, yeah, school's over for the rest of the year. And then you have a governor who everybody's cheering Cuomo right now, but he's like, we're not gonna make that decision yet. De Blasio doesn't have the authority to do that. And then de Blasio's camps was like, well, you know, we were right the first time when we did the lock in place, we're right now, Cuomo will agree any minute. It's crazy, I mean. To your point with the government, I mean, I don't think that we are well equipped. Like, for example, I remember Obama during his administration. What I loved about Obama is that he instituted a whole emergency preparedness team. Yeah. And even though we didn't have a pandemic or an epidemic during the time of his administration, he was like, we need to have this just in case. It's like car insurance, right? You need to have it just in case you get into an accident. But didn't we have right? one during him? Didn't like. No, we did. We did have one with Obama. Yeah, we, ha we had one with him, and that's what caused him to create this whole program of emergency response in case of uh, pandemic outbreaks and stuff. And that's the first thing, like, Trump cut when he came into, into office. He's a jackass. Exactly. That's exactly my point. I'm so happy that you brought that up. And, yeah, because when Trump came into office, he's like, they're not doing anything. They're just waiting for stuff to happen. It's unnecessary dollars spent of the American people's money. And now we don't have any experts to turn to. Real talk though, like our government leadership has failed us. I mean, to be perfectly blunt, they have not properly addressed the corona pandemic, right? They've also not given proper information to what workers have to do to protect themselves. They continue to put people at risk. They 
continue to put the people that they champion, right? So everything's about first responders right now and, and making sure the nurses and the doctors are celebrated and we're cheering them, not to take anything away from them. But my neighbor literally sprays her, her husband with Lysol as he comes home, right? Every single day from work. And he's working late and at, late at night I hear the Lysol spray because people are out there without the right information from the government. Mm -hmm. And the government meaning our responsible elected officials who should be telling you what to do. And on top of it, we're sitting here and we're praising doctors and we're saying, get them proper PPE and get them all the stuff that they need and, and the nurses and the fire department and the police officers. And I agree that they're out there on the front line. But I'm sorry, I mean, we, we love elitism in this country, right? We love to place certain levels of people above others. We love to say, uh, blue lives matter when we when it comes to a conversation about black people getting shot by police officers. And all of a sudden, no, 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 they're dealing with stuff every single day. We get that. But that's not what the conversation is. The same way we understand the conversation yeah. about coronavirus and the, the trials and tribulations with things that, that the average man is facing. We don't need to sit there and put heroes on a pedestal above others. So we don't need to sit there and say nurses and doctors and fire department and police officers are above the delivery people or above the people who come every the grocery store workers grocery store workers the 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 restaurant employees the the gas attendants you know like like but the regular people every day don't get any recognition and they're the ones who actually we come in contact with every single day i don't know one person in my family or friends who came in contact with a medical professional in the past 3 weeks meanwhile every single day they're in contact with a transit worker somebody driving a bus somebody uh, working on a delivery where, where are the cheers for these people? Where are the, these people who are working the trains and the buses and, and driving the taxis and driving the Ubers? Where are the, the applause for them? No. And I think that to your point, those are the unsung heroes. Yeah. Like in addition to the people that are on the front line, as we celebrate them, we should also, to your point, celebrate the folks that are actually going to work every single day because technically they are essential workers. I think people think about the term of essential workers being only nurses and doctors and first responders. No, also essential workers are the people that are like, well, if this business is essential to the livelihood of the American people, I have to go, which also includes the grocery store clerk who may not necessarily have even the proper health benefits to get herself or himself checked out to see if they even <laughs> have coronavirus. You know, I always am like, yeah, be precautious listen to the listen to all the news in the sense that pertains to you fine all that good stuff but also use your common sense like i remember there was like this video that went around i think you told me about it actually where a chick was sitting on the train with gloves on and she was eating french fries and and putting the obviously to eat french fries you have to put it in your mouth but you take the glove you take a fry out of the bag and then you put it in your mouth and you're saying yeah, this, this sounds about right. Yeah, I'm not going to get coronavirus at all. What? What are you talking about? Or like the people who are out there with the masks on gloves, right? And they walk out of their place of business and they pull the mask down off their face, right? And then they light up a cigarette and they're smoking a cigarette with their gloves on and they're like... I mean, we also have a president that says that today was going to be the day that we would turn back to... <laughs> I'm still in the house. I'm locked up, won't let me out, Akon. But at that point, but I have to say, I know that people are like super stressed out. I get that. Like I'm doing my yoga classes virtually now. And is it like a different way of doing it? Absolutely. Did I have to get used to it and get comfortable with it? Absolutely. And it took me a couple of days. Yeah. But at the same time, I have to say this as a person that is always on the go, very extroverted, very social and always feel like I have to like be somewhere or do something. I have to say quarantine's been like a little bit of a hidden blessing to me in a weird way, because like now I get to like kind of like focus more on my side hustles or focus just on me, right? I have gotten the best amount of sleep. My facials are on point, okay? I'm now in hour six of removing my gel nail polish. And yeah, also the other unsung heroes are the hairdressers, especially ones that put the weave in, my weaveologists out there, as well as my nail technicians. There are also added to the unsung heroes because my God, to get this gel nail polish off, I'm on hour five and I only have four nails without nail polish on. I'm on hour five. 
five. Okay. I'm going to burn my hands with acetone at this point. Okay. You say you mentioned about your sleep and all that stuff. I feel like uh, my sleep patterns are completely wacky. And I, I'm not on a normal schedule. I, I go to sleep at like two in the morning. I wake up one in the afternoon. My sleep patterns are completely messed up and, and bonkers. My eating patterns are the only thing that I'm trying to keep normal. Like I cook every day. Yes. I cook three meals a day. But to the listeners, like how are you dealing with the, the changes in your schedule? Able to get up, quote, quote unquote, for work five to 10 minutes before 9 a.m. and then just walk into your mm -hmm. living room and jump on your laptop uh, versus having to commute. How has that disrupted or changed your sleeping patterns, your eating habits? Yeah. I'm curious because for me, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. I mean, I know for you it's a nightmare, but I would say like, I absolutely like love it. I mean, to, to be very honest with you, I, I'm a person that I love routine. I love to be organized and I have to write out a to-do list for myself in order to be like, all right, this is going to be like my new normal, you know? So I'll wake up at eight o'clock, I'll meditate for 10 minutes, I'll make myself some dope coffee, you know, shout out to Cafe Bucello because that has been, definitely been taking me through for the last couple of weeks, keeping me energized. Um, didn't, first of all, timeout. I didn't even know about Cafe Bucello. And then one of my yoga students was like, oh, you should have, you should get it. Cause you know, I'm a Starbucks snob, but all of a sudden, I'm now forced to making my own coffee, right? right? And I'm like, I forgot how to make my own coffee. That's crazy. And for the last two, and for the last, I want to say the first week that I was quarantined at home, I was making like this, like watered down, mild, dirt water nastiness. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just have to deal with it. And then one of my yoga students was like, you never tried Cafe Bucello? And I was like, <laughs> um, no. I have not. Not to say I haven't heard of it. I'm just like, no, I have not. I'm sorry. Yes. Are you still perturbed by the fact that I have not? No, no. It's a multi-layered question because I feel like... <laughs> first question is, do you have a coffee maker? No. Most people don't. I remember my first apartment ever. I was never a coffee drinker, right? I remember right. there was two things my dad did religiously. Um, was smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, right? Like most mm. Americans, they wake up, coffee in the morning. But my dad would be like that Cuban who would drink coffee all day long, like it's his lifeblood, right? Like to the point yes. where his, before he goes to sleep, he just has a cup of coffee, right? So a lot of- It's like a recipe for a success for a successful day right there. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was like, I, I never, dead ass made a conscious decision that I, I never wanted to be dependent on coffee. I never wanted to have to wake up in the morning and feel like I was sluggish. I never wanted to be that person who was like, I need coffee to get myself going. So I didn't drink coffee. I, to this day, I think in my entire life, I've probably had less than 10 cups of coffee in my entire life because I was like, not going to happen. Okay. Right. So I move out of my first apartment. My dad comes. I'm like, in my, I don't know. I think I was 20, 21, 22. I don't even remember. He comes out, comes to my place and like, you know, cause you're proud. You want to invite your your parent to your house you yeah. book dinner you want to show off yeah like look, over. look at the work that you did in raising me yeah. dad he's like yeah. why don't you have a coffee maker oh so i'm like because i don't drink that's coffee. like my father so my goes, father was the same way in the sense of like i'm like dad i got an a he's like why don't you get an a plus and i'm like <laughs> what <laughs> no but he comes off like the like he thinks he's the godfather at that point like like I should swim with the fishes because I don't have a coffee maker, <laughs> right? He's like, why don't you have a coffee maker? And I'm like, I don't drink coffee. He's like, it doesn't matter. If you have guests, you should have a coffee maker because what if they want coffee? <laughs> you know what though? Your dad has a fair point because I would say majority of Americans or a majority of people that live on this earth are coffee drinkers, a solid majority. So I guess it's kind of like a nice, courtesy hospitality thing to say hey it's good that i have a coffee machine in the event that i will like to offer to make coffee but then if you never have been a coffee drinker how are you gonna know how to make it well honey? I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a chef so i could i could make almost anything but the point is what do you think i did buy a coffee i maker. bought a coffee maker <laughs> <laughs> so then i had a coffee maker in my apartment never got used then of course you have to have a coffee maker you have to buy coffee so i had the can of instant coffee because i'm like all right i'll have it's easy it never goes bad so to speak because it's not coffee beans and you can just put the can in your refrigerator like the cafe bustelo can and that's it mm -hmm. so i would have coffee in my house 
And I swear to you, I think I went, I made two or three cups an entire year. And then that coffee maker would travel with me from apartment to apartment. And then I forget how many years ago, but and it had to have been like over a decade ago. I was like, fuck this. I'm throwing this shit out. Done. So I'm guessing you never bought a Keurig. I have a no. Keurig. Have you used it? One time. That's, that's a waste of a Keurig then. I know. Just give it to me. I'll, I'll use it. Okay. You know, I think at this point, considering how the economy is going, I think we should just like barter. Like today in my moments of boredom, but also my, I call it my moments of boredom slash exploration. It's like, ooh, what can Jen figure out today? You know, I have some time in my quarantine. What can I learn a new language? Can I take up, you know, a new, you know, cooking class? Can I do something? And I was watching a whole episode narrated by Oprah called Belief, right? And it was about looking at every single culture and their religious background. So she looked into like Judaism, Islam, all these different things, just religion and spirituality as a whole, right? And she did a whole thing on Burning Man. And I was like, now I've never been to Burning Man. And after I now watch this episode, I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna go. Let's I'm go. totally gonna go. We'll record for Let's Burning go. Man next year. I think we should. I think we should have like a little like, well, they don't have tents. So maybe we'll just have like a trailer well, you can or get something. A tent. You can? Okay. But it fills up but with dust. Whole- like, be prepared. My friend went last year. Everything will have sand in it. You have to throw your shit out when you leave, basically. I'm totally fine with that. I'm going to get everything from, you know, like a Target, if you will. You know, something something really light and, fe- and festive. But the whole thing about Burning Man, which I found interesting, is that everything is bartered. Like, you don't pay for goods or services yep. while you're at Burning Man. Everything is bartered. And I'm like... If that is working from a festival perspective, then, and given the way that our economy is looking, which is not looking so great, we might have to adopt a little bit of a barter system where it where it's necessary. You know, I, I wash your back, you wash my back. Yeah. Hey. I think in, in certain scenarios, I think the barter system works uh, wonders. I think in, in goods and services, for example. So like if somebody is a photographer yes. and they want to barter for a carpenter to come, and do stuff and barter services. I think the challenge becomes that, because the barter system isn't something new, right? It's been existing since no. the time, since the Native Americans, since uh, like explorers days and, and so on. The problem, what happens with the barter system is that the elite end up controlling the stuff that is most valuable. So for example, in the mm-hmm. old days, the, the barter system that was the highly traded commodities started off with stuff like tobacco and coffee. Those were basically the cocaine and, and crack of, of that era. So it became, it sure was. that was the money. That was the stuff that was traded. And then we all know what happened in the 1600s, what became the bartering system. It was humans and slavery. So, so that's the challenge is that um, the barter system is great, but it then also, it has to be for services and not for goods. Hey, obviously we have to get paid for some things, but I think, you know, maybe that's a way that we can sort of adopt this because at the end of the day, you know, maybe it's not like this money exchange. Maybe we're also incorporating kindness, which also brings me back to this point. And I would love to ask this question to you is like, if you had to predict, say the quarantine lifts a month from now, I don't want to say tomorrow because it's too quick to return to a sense of normalcy. If I say quarantine is going to lift, on May 15th, do you think we'll be able to return to a sense of normalcy? Or is, or is there no such thing as normal after what we've been through? Like, how do you kind of see the world shaping or coming out of quarantine? It's a great question, but it also makes me believe that I still to this day think you have me bugged. Because this is like the third or fourth or fifth time you've brought something up that I've literally had a conversation with or we've aligned like the stars. So, yes. um, And the the reason is, is I was at my father's house for Passover. um, Mm -hmm. Happy Passover, by the way. Thank you. And yes, we broke the rules and we went to family's house and we did, you know, we got together. It was a small group. It was my father, his wife, my brother, his family and me and my son. Anyway. Within that, that dinner, the question exactly came up in a sense where, um, like, what is the new normal? And will quarantine create a series of events that are irreversible, for example, that um, good or bad? So my father and a lot of his angle being right wing in a sense with certain topics, 
was how mm -hmm. it's going to be horrible. Everything from job loss to downward spirals to unemployment. Like it was like boom, 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 negative, 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 negative. We'll never recover. There's certain things that, you know, are irreversible. And I also feel like, yeah, there are still, there's economic worries when it comes to quarantine and coronavirus. However, and I'm not trying to be a super, you know, optimist when it comes to it, but I do think that there are certain things that are going to change for the better in the long term. Absolutely. There are certain things like um, schooling, right? Everybody's talking about how kids have to be homeschooled and digital and this and that. I think with the overcrowding of New York City schools, we can see an evolution of where schooling will go in the future. Meaning, imagine as, as a senior or junior, instead of going to school from 8 in the morning till 3 p.m., you can start your day off 8 to 12 at home doing online classes. You, then you go in for the social aspect of it at noon to 3 for the mm -hmm. overcrowding things. I think there's going to be evolutions with certain colleges. Are gonna, they, ha they have been forced to adapt to an online program for a lot of their students. A lot of universities, I want to say 80 to 90% of the universities pre-quarantine did not have an online platform for their students. And now they, they do in a sense where more students are going to be able to attend university across the United States um, that weren't able to do before. Mm -hmm. And to piggyback off of that too, like, you know, thinking about, you know, the schools, but also thinking about what our work life is going to look like too. Like a lot and believe it or not, a lot of companies, especially the old traditional companies, weren't equipped to even give people permission to do remote work from home. Like, you know, and one, one company being mine, like we were very much like, okay, well, we don't have a work from home policy. So we had to basically create one very quickly. Yeah. And I think this is going to teach a lot of folks that are in older corporations or at least in industries that are a little bit more traditional that guess what? I could be as productive as I am at home as much as I'm in the office. Right. And I think, and I'm more reachable. And at the same time, you also have a little bit better of a balance. Again, you're reading my mind because what you just mentioned about the work from home was how I, you just reminded me how the conversation actually sparked with my dad. The conversation mm. sparked with him with the whole work from home and online, um, video conferences and emails. He asked me, how does my manager and my company know when I, that I'm working, right? Um, yeah. And then the whole conversation of punching a clock came up. And I said, dad, I haven't punched a clock in 15 years, maybe 20 years. <laughs> I'm like, and then it, we had this whole conversation because his wife punches a clock, she works in a hospital. I, and then he used to punch a clock, he worked for the MTA, right? Um, and, and we unpacked that whole thing. I said, people who punch clocks are typically in in employment environments where they're shift regulated so that you can leave when the next person replaces your shift so that they know and they can track where you are. I said, exactly. as an adult and as an executive for my company, I don't have to micromanage with my time. So my, my company has confidence that as an adult and a responsible employee, that I will be there and be productive, whether they're monitoring my time or not. Um, so I think you bring up a great point that I think that that's another plus is I think a lot of companies are going to have to develop programs or already have developed because of quarantine and coronavirus, where not only their employees can work from home, but how to be more productive when it comes to um, meetings and conference calls and, and, mm -hmm. and dissemination of information. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to percolate to a positive outcome. Another thing we talked about, sorry to be on this tangent, is I don't think that the people who are looking at the industry issues and the stock market crashing and all this stuff are really understanding what really makes America tick. I think that what's going to happen is another plus when in May 15th, to your example, when this is over, um, everybody's talking about the restaurant and bar industry, right? It's right. struggling. It's a lot of people are, are in financial worries right now. Those are the two industries that I believe on May 15th are going to see an insane boost and like everybody's going to want to get out of and course they're going to want to get out and eat they're going to want to get out and be at a bar and this is why there's a scary concept that we can have a second wave of coronavirus because so many people are going to rush to be out in these social environments that they're not going to be as precautious but the two industries that are going to that are really benefit and really start showing hand over fist dollars are the restaurant and the bar industries because people are going to be thirsty no pun intended to get back into the bar. 
Yeah. And then on top of, but then to that point too, it's like, and, and this is what I think they're going to do. And this is just my opinion. I think they're going to, how they kind of court slowly allowed us to go into quarantine. Like they, like for instance, for example, like in order for us not to have this outbreak again, they have to kind of do that with reopening certain things. I'm like, okay, so the, for the next two weeks, we're going to reopen. Um, I'm making this up. We'll reopen yoga studios, you know? Okay. A month from now, we'll reopen bars. Yep. A month from now, we'll reopen gyms. You know, like gyms were like pretty much like a petri dish for this to happen because you're sweating and you're 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 next to people. I mean, you have no personal space, which also brings me up to another point. I was in Whole Foods the other day. You know, my this is my snob alert. Starbucks and Whole Foods snob alert. Um, Somebody's privileged. I, someone's privilege. I work hard for the money. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Make all my own money. I was in Whole Foods the other day, and I'm sure that you've seen this in the grocery stores where they have now the lines yep, on the ground. The yep. Right. That's that's perfectly measured so you can stay six feet away. Right. Six feet away. So and who came I'm up with the with six feet rule, by the way? Why not five feet? Why not seven feet? Why are we buried six feet under? Like what's up with this? Right. Why do why do men are more attractive when they're six feet tall? Like what the fuck is up with the six feet? I want to know. You know six. You know six is related to the devil, right? Well, if you believe six, in the six, devil, six. sure. But, <laughs> but but seven is related to God. Um, and, True. And so why not why not seven feet? I want to stand God God distance away, not devil distance away. You know. Ooh, like, that's a good snippet. I like that. Yeah. I but yeah, I was in Whole Foods the other day and this guy was standing extra close. And even if we were in a normal situation, you're still too close, homie. Was he trying to slide up into your DMs in person? Oh, hell to so the no, because I was not having it. But at the same time, too, this is what I really appreciate about, you know, shopping in these supermarkets is like, people have an issue with personal space in general, yep. okay? Like, I cannot tell you how many times I'm like, if I feel your breath on the back of my neck, you're too close. If I feel your body heat next to mine and you're not a loved one, you're too close, okay? But in the era of quarantine, I love the fact that we actually have the tape to say, hey, there's a distance. So what I said to my, my friend that was, you know, trying to whisper in my ear, you know, on some whisper song shit, which I miss that song so much. Oh God, I love that song was I said to him like, hey, sir, the tape is right there. You should stand behind it. And, what, and I just left him. That was good. He's, and he's like, oh, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, oh, it's a blue tape on, you know, a white floor. Well, question for you then, Jen. Um, a little play off the question you asked me about after this is done on May 15th. My question to you is, do you think we're going to get back to a point where people, I'm not talking about invading your personal space, but are we going to be conditioned to stay six feet apart for maybe six to nine months after the, the green light is ready and lifted off? Like, are people going to kind of be apprehensive to, to even approach people uh, on, a, on a social basis? I think it's going to be like Bumble in real life. You know, it's like... <laughs> swipe left. Like... Ooh, swipe. I'm, I'm swiping you to the left. Get out of <laughs> Imagine it's like you just point to someone, you're like, no, I don't like you. Ma imagine if that's like the corn, like club quarantine becomes like we're after all this, right? Yeah. Like in my imagine, imaginary mind, this is how it's going to go. Like we're, the bars open up, right? And people are so cognizant of keeping their distance that they become like how they would use in an app. Like they'll point to you and be like, you know what? Swipe left. And they put to you, like swipe right. You're like, wait, what? Oh because God. we can't get too close. Yeah. And then you're like, we can't even talk on the phone. But I, I hope that people are a little bit more cognizant about personal space. I hope that in this time, at, once we're out of it, that people are a little bit more compassionate and kinder. I think what the biggest thing is, is when you rob people of what they deem as necessities and expose it as luxuries, it's going to change people's perception, right? Like, for example, for me, I'm like, it's a necessity for me to have my Starbucks in the morning. No, that's a luxury. That's a luxury. Yep. That is not a necessity. Change your perspective on that. Change your mindset on that. It's a luxury for me to be able to go out. And, you know, it's a necessity for me to go out to 
a restaurant twice or three times a week. I need to eat. No, it's a luxury. You can cook your own food. So spin this a little bit positive question of, of growth for you. Um, Ooh, question of growth. Yeah. Hashtag growth. Hashtag, and not just for you, for everybody listening, take a moment and think to yourself, um, is there something that you not just found out about yourself during this time, but that you like that you've started to do that you want to maybe continue once you're free to roam the world again? For example, I'll, I'll start off by saying forever I've had all these Kiehl's products, right? Because I got a connect with Kiehl's. So uh, I've had these Kiehl's products for my face and, and all this and, and moisturizers and, and masks that would just sit there and never be used. At least two to three times a week now, maybe three or four. Um, but I've been moisturizing. I've been every night putting on a mask before I go to sleep. Like, oh, you moisturize? Moisturizing, eye cream. Moisturize? Um, like an avocado mask. Like I've been going ham on my, on my face. Ooh, you're so, so bougie. You're so rich. I'm hoping to continue as I get back to the, the hustle and bustle of my normal day to day. In addition, I'm mm -hmm. trying to knock out certain exercise routines every single day. So these are things that I'm hoping to continue after May 15th. So yeah. All right. So you're trying to get your quarantine body? Because I definitely said, like, this is going to be the make or break of people that keep up with their workout True. and the people that don't. True. There's going to be a big division of, like, oh, you had way too many snacks? Or did you really try to keep it up and keep it nutrition, keep your nutrition intact yeah. and keep your workout game intact yeah. while you were under your house you know yeah. and to you and the audience and everybody who's listening and even the people who aren't listening who will listen one day because they'll do, 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 they'll right that earworm will get into them snapple fact yes. episode one um jen tell me um what do you think you want to continue yeah so i definitely want so that i'm glad you brought that up so there's a couple things i made a list you know because i'm very like type a i'm very type a i need to make a list i need to make a list but you know for me it's kind of like having more of a routine for self-care for myself. So for example, I wouldn't always be able to meditate every single morning. Like I would do it sporadically. Right. Now I meditate every single morning before I even start anything to set up my day. So maybe it's just, it's part of that being more amplified. Also, yeah, I do my yoga, I do my yoga classes in person, but maybe I wanna do a yoga class on my Instagram live and bring it to people for free. You know, because I think this practice has helped me so much grow. And why should I just kind of keep it just to being me in a studio? Because yep. we see it works well virtually. Also, you know, just doing things that I haven't gotten around to. Like, I'm the type of person that I will buy 20 books and I probably won't read any of the 20 because I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this. Oh, I'll read it on vacation. And then I'm like, oh, I'm doing too many excursions on vacation. I won't get to it. Yeah. Now I'm able to like read books and, and be more educated and in that sense. So I definitely would like to stick to my meditation, amplify my, my yoga and bring it out to more people virtually. Yep. Read more. A thousand and ten percent and learn a new skill you know who knows the world is my oyster during this time and i think people at this point need to find the joy in being in quarantine like i said i hope that all of us kind of graduate to a higher level of compassion and kindness because it's during these times that we all need it the most because the worst things about these times is that we feel like we're in it alone we feel like we're by ourselves and we're in it alone. But I think through, through technologies like Zoom and FaceTime and being able to donate and listen and join in, even if it's virtually, we're not in it alone. This is like the first time that I've ever witnessed in our entire history where everyone is feeling similar feelings. Yeah. They're feeling feelings of fear. They have phobia. They have uncertainty. This is the first time I've ever seen it in existence play out like that. And if we're in that space, then we're all in it together. And that's why I love the hashtag in, in this together, well, just for that whole concept. To bring everything you just said full circle, I, yes, agreed. And there are things that we can do once we're out of this quarantine situation to continue to feel like we're in this together. Uh, I, I want to get a little bit angry again for a moment. Um, You're going to get angry yeah, again. Just because... <laughs> What like the takeaways, right? We're gonna quickly get back into our own lives and run, and it's gonna the the, the um, rose-colored glasses of togetherness is gonna wear off as quickly as it did after nine eleven, right? Um, what right. what I feel like 
we don't understand and we're not being honest with ourselves about are there there are things that we also don't do um there's a there's an app called deed d-e-e-d right it's a it's an app that you can use to volunteer your time if you don't have money to stuff like big brothers big sisters going to uh nursing homes and stuff think about this the way we're feeling right now and this is where i'm gonna get angry is like we are so privileged to be able to have these zoom calls and all this stuff and connect with our family and friends and everything like that. There are loved ones in our family, in our immediate family, elderly who are by themselves on a daily basis with no one to talk to with mi minimal interaction with the outside world because they don't have the mobility to get out. So you know what my suggestion is to the listeners and everybody take a moment to think about the people you've connected through zoom with, you connect through FaceTime with, you've actually talked to during this process and continue that going. Continue the point where mm -hmm. you know what you reach out to your mom or your dad or your grandmother and make a FaceTime call or a Zoom call or just a regular call. Reach out to these people because they are dealing with isolationism on a non-coronavirus quarantine basis. Like this is their their regular. So Yeah. I love what you just said about, you know, connect with the elderly and it brings up what I love so much. I mean, I love myself some Matthew McConaughey. He is, you know, the bee's knees, if I could, if I can give him a label, the bee's knees. He's a Texan. I love him. His wife and kids are beautiful. The bees we won't talk knees? about them though. I know. I know. I, you know what? I would like to know where that term came up because like, I've been saying like, you know, the bee's knees, you know, do they have knees? Do you see my bees? Oh. No. Do they have knees in those in that poster? Uh, no. It looks like they have joints. It says even busy bees stop and smell the roses. Ooh, I like that. Oh, I like that. But Matthew McConaughey hosted a whole bingo night for uh, a senior citizen. It's great place. It's great. And I'm like, that's so amazing. Like he like literally was at home with his kids. He rolled the little balls. Yep. He pulled them out. And he was able to to host a bingo night at the senior citizen home. And I'm like, that's so dope. And I hope once again, to your point, when we're out of this, like continue that connection, connect with loved ones, even the people that are a little bit elderly, because they're the ones that are feeling a most alone and B, they don't understand this technology stuff. So they're like, I don't understand it. I'm not even going to get to it. Like call them, call them on the phone, call them on a rotary phone. Okay. Use your wires call them on a rotary phone, exactly. you know, like a video, something, connect, connect, connect. Just because we're going through this moment and we're connecting at higher levels, don't sever that once we get back yep. into our sense of normal, if there is even that term that's going to resonate after we're out of this. Because to be frank and honest with you, we just want to just bring you just good content and just something just to kind of even a take your mind off of it or just something just entertaining for you guys to listen to. So our hearts are definitely with you through this moment. Even if you don't have a loved one that has passed or is dealing with coronavirus, just regular health issues, or you're just in the house going crazy yourself and don't know how to cope. We are always thinking about you guys um, just throughout the whole entire time. And we're here for you and we're going to continue to bring you guys some, some really dope content. So in the spirit of our dope content and our segments, it's time for the death sentence. Goodbye to this phrase, word, or thought that existed, whether long term or short term, that we no longer want to hear anymore. So in the spirit of quarantine, and coronavirus and being locked down, our word, a phrase uh, that we are burying. Danny, why don't you do the honors? You want me to introduce the phrase? Okay. Yes. There's a song that's out there about it. Yeah, it's something called Quarantine Bay. Yeah. Oh, uh -uh. gross. Disgusting. I mean, Bay alone is disgusting, but now you want to bring in Quarantine Bay? You need to be verbally smacked. That's it. Gone. We don't want to hear it anymore. So that song can die. The word can die. The phrase can die. You shouldn't have been using bay to begin with because that shit is so 1998. Uh, Ooh, 98. I don't know. Yeah. It's probably more like 2012. 
But um, yeah, definitely, it definitely was like 2016. But you know what? We're not going to take any credit off. We're going to eliminate the quarantine bay. We don't want to hear it anymore. You don't want to hear it anymore. I'm sure every time you hear it, it makes your skin curl. Um, So, in the spirit of bye byes, we're going to say quarantine bay dead. 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 Hello, all you unprovoked tangent quarantine listeners. It's Jen, and I'm here to give you guys your little ground down guided meditation. Before we start our meditation practice, I just wanted to make you guys aware of a great resource um, that is out there for anyone that needs support, crisis intervention, any information, or any sort of help when it comes to counseling for your mental health, substance concerns, anything like that. They're open 24-7, seven days a week, and that organization is called New York Health Well. It is a free service, and it is a great resource. So anytime that you just want to speak to someone, um, share your views on something that's bothering you, they are there to assist. So I would love to direct you guys to New York City Well. Um, to get that resource. So just going into this week's ground down, Danny and I discussed what life in quarantine is like for us and also our views on what quarantine is like for the world. And I know that during this time, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of distress, there's a lot of tension that might be rising in your own body, in your own mind, and in your own spirit. So I want to invite you guys to just close your eyes for a second. Take a deep breath in through the nose. Exhale, let it go. Take another deep inhale in through the nose. Exhale, let it go. Take a couple of deep inhales, deep exhales in through the nose and throughout. Just gonna read you guys some thoughts. The word quarantine actually came from an Italian word called quarantina. And that basically means 40 days. 40 days to kind of sit and be isolated. And I think that has a lot of correlations to Eastern, which we were going through for Lent. And I want to invite you guys to look at this time that we are inside of our homes as a time to reflect. Maybe it's a time to pray. Maybe it's a time to meditate. Maybe it's a time to be truly introspective. Maybe it's the time to invite more things in that's going to allow you to graduate to a higher sense of yourself a better person. And as you're taking deep inhales and deep exhales, maybe you start to think about what you need to release that no longer serves you. And maybe you can start to think about this time as a prep for our rising. Maybe this quarantine is preparation for our rising, not just as individuals, but maybe as a human race. And my hope is that when we do come out of this together, that we become more compassionate, we become a lot kinder, a lot more thoughtful, and focus on really increasing the higher level of consciousness all around us. This is a time to reflect, to slow down, and arrive at a better you once we're out of it. Take another deep inhale through the nose. Exhale, let it go. Another deep inhale through the nose. Exhale, let it go. I 
as you take some couple deeper inhales and exhales, invite more bigger breaths into the body. If you are sitting up, start to maybe wiggle the fingers, maybe wiggle the toes. Just bringing some gentle awareness back into the breath, back into the space that you're grounding down with us. And in your own time, gently open your eyes. I thank you all for joining me for this week's ground down meditation. It is an honor and a pleasure to guide you through this meditation practice. And we look forward to bringing you guys some new content next week. Take care.